Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay then, so in business, who owns culture and engagement? Or should I say, who should own culture and engagement? It's a simple enough sounding question, but a provocative one nonetheless, and one that could come with a whole range of answers and a plethora of equally interesting follow-up questions too. So what's the answer? And where do you start? And how can you cover that in less than 40 minutes? Well, To help me discuss this and more today, I'm joined by Michael Taylor. Michael combines over 35 years of business management expertise with a deep knowledge of customer experience, marketing, and communications, and of course, business development, and importantly for today, company culture. He's helping businesses guide that seamless change journey in large enterprises and mid-sized organizations too. He's held C-suite roles in leading marketing services agencies, both in the UK and the USA, including acting as a managing director at Ogilvy Group and director of agency operations at TBWA Worldwide, both in the New York offices. He's now a board advisor to a US-based software and technology platform business and operates in Europe as an independent marketing and CX consultant. And in 2020, he was elected a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Marketing recognizing his senior contribution to marketing digital and customer communications over several decades. He's also got a pretty clear view on that culture and engagement ownership question. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? Hello, Andy. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for that very generous introduction. <laughs> I'm so generous, but I'm also very truthful. So, I mean, my goodness, that that is some CV, my friend, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I, I've got more years under my belt than I care to mention. So, uh, you know, I've, I've had the benefit of working in, in the USA, which I enjoyed immensely for six years, and then moved over to France, where I lived and worked for, for 12 years before returning to the UK. So, yeah, it's been an interesting ride. Well, I mean, I can't help, because of the kind of guy I am, when you talk about places like Ogilvy and TWA, to get a little bit Don Draper and Mad Men in my head, but I know the businesses operate in a very, very different way to that, but uh, evocative images anyway. Well, I did have a Madison Avenue uh, address. Well, there we go, you see. <laughs> Bang on. Bang on Mad Men. So what are you currently working on, my friend? What are you up to? Uh, okay, well, I, I gave up full-time uh, full-time working um, back in February of uh, 2020, just ahead of, of COVID, interestingly enough. And decided I wanted to really focus on one or two projects a year uh, that would continue to occupy the grey matter and and leverage the experience that I've gained in working in communications, in advertising, in marketing services for most of my life. Although 
I started in broadcast television and broadcast radio, actually. So uh, full circle, so it's, <laughs> yeah, full circle. Yeah, yeah, I am on a podcast, exactly. <laughs> so this 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 topic we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I mean, engagement, culture. You know, maybe two parts of a much bigger pie. But traditionally, maybe this has been the fiefdom of of HR. And even still today, when when I read stuff or listen to podcasts or see webinars or, or whatever it might be, there still seems to be more than most or more than I would expect a sort of either a lead or or an ownership grip of culture and engagement still sitting in in HR. And, and I know you have a particular view on view on this. So we, let's start off the conversation by getting cards on the table. Where do you think these things lie? Uh, from an ownership perspective? Yeah, it's not a straightforward answer. Uh, no. That's the only thing. But I think you're right. It starts uh, as a legacy issue in the way that businesses were structured. You know, I mean, we grew up, or I certainly grew up, uh, with a personnel department uh, that was all things to do with the workforce. Uh, they weren't even employees at that uh, at that time. They were the employed. Mm-hmm. Um and then during the last uh, couple of decades, probably more focus on the 1990s, we went through this whole um, iteration of what personnel really was. And we ended up with human resources, HR, uh, with a broader remit that seemed to embrace things like company culture and uh, employee engagement, and also that thing called internal communications. Actually, let let me just deal with internal communications first of all. I'm of the opinion that there is a difference between employee communications and internal communications. Okay. Employee uh, employee communications for me uh, is about informing staff. It's about informing them about important things that directly affect them. So things like their benefits package, for example, employment policy, career planning, and things like that. And that, that's down to the skills of a human resources professional. Mm-hmm. But for me, internal communication has a much bigger role to play of extending the brand into the internal audience. Uh, so within that, we have things like company mission statement and corporate objectives and corporate strategy and things like that. And therefore, I think you might rightly uh, assume that it demands a a different set of skills, a skill set that's focused on messaging, creative content, curation and generation. Um, And I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago in Forbes magazine, what they called intellectual and emotional agility. Uh, So with that in mind, I think that internal communications sits alongside specialised or unstructured communications. And you might find that ultimately under the umbrella of the uh, chief uh, marketing officer, the CMO. But there are a few spanners in the works, and it's what I referred to earlier. it's, It's about definitions, and you've used these terms, company culture, engagement. What do we mean by company culture? What do we mean by employee engagement? The issue, I think, with company culture is that we've gone through a further 
evolution of industrialization, and that has been brought about by digital. Digital has enabled us within our workplace and within the home, but more importantly, it's given power back to the consumer. What do I what do I mean by that? In the days that I spent at Ogilvy and TBWA, as you referred to, we were in charge of the messaging. You know, we decided how the consumer, the customer, was going to hear about this new product or this new service, and we were going to decide where they would learn learn more about it. Was it going to be TV or radio or magazines or newspapers or out of home big billboards and things like that? You know. Or maybe even, you know, that exciting revolution that took place around 1999, the year 2000, direct marketing, uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, we were in charge. But the problem now is that the consumer's in charge because they're empowered by digital, the smartphone and the laptop and the tablet. They can connect with the brand 24 by 7 by 365. And to be quite honest with you, most companies, most businesses are still struggling to be able to meet the customer in the channel of their choice at the time that the customer chooses and not at the time that the company wants. So that's a big challenge. So I think business culture today, and that really leads me to the statement, the business culture today is all about customer centricity. Yeah. And if it isn't about customer centricity, then that business, that brand has got a growing problem uh, because that's the real differentiator now, customer experience, customer centricity uh, in, in, in near enough all market sectors. And customer centricity is about customer engagement. Um, so if our culture is about customer centricity, engaging the customer, should it be sitting within HR? I sense that the answer to that is probably no. See, this is interesting because this is where the debate happens. Because if I look, this is dangerous territory, my friend, because we're both <laughs> marketers by dint. I, you know, yes. I, I, I have, I have people who work in HR who listen to this who will be screaming at me saying I'm a biased old what's it? And look, I am what I am, and I see things as I see them. I try and be balanced, but if I look at HR and marketing independently the thing that binds them together for me at least is that they both have audience attraction engagement and retention goals right they just have different audiences but they have ve some very very similar uh, objectives and goals between them around that uh, attraction retention and, enga and engagement and i think this is where like you've talked about internal communications and employee communications there's another blurring that's going on between brand and employer brand and i think where the best examples of these things come is where there is one continuous thought actually there isn't a separate employer brand to the consumer brand it's telling a very similar story on on both sides it's 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 a coherent continuous story that's consistent across wherever it comes. And I think this is where businesses, departments, fiefdoms, silos have kind of like not caught up in that it's no longer as simple as to say you know, the black and white differences between employer brand and brand, internal commu communication, staff communications. I, I think all the worlds are are coming together. Am, am I a fool or do you see the same sort of thing, Michael? 
Well, I'm not a big fan of the idea of employer brands, to be quite honest with you. There is only one brand um, because your employees are also probably your customers uh, in one form or another. Let's just sort of, um, let's draw a a classic um, wheel uh, diagram. I'm going to do it now to to, to aid myself and (laughs) break that wheel diagram into, uh, yeah, eight into eight segments in and you do it you do it with me in those segments you would find i think in the employee ecosphere which is our wheel uh, diagram employee communications employee engagement employee experience closely linked uh, employee training employee onboarding employee retention employee safety and uh, crisis management, yeah, of course. Uh, that should be eight. Is that eight? That's um, eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's eight. Good. Now ask yourself, who really wears the hat for each of those? So employee communications. Well, in my view, at uh, one of those, you know, well, duh moments, because the clue is in the title, communications. <laughs> Employee engagement, well, we've just talked about, or I've just talked about employee engagement being linked to uh, customer experience, so that would sit under CX. Uh, Employee experience, well, that's a mix of CX and uh, HR. You know, I I go go down that route with that one. Employee retention, well, that's definitely classic HR for me. Um, Likewise for training. Onboarding's interesting. Yeah, uh, that crosses into a number of areas, but I think it it sits in terms of the custodian would be HR, um, employee safety. Well, that's definitely HR, uh, and then crisis management. Um, that's an interesting one uh, because that, as far as uh, as the staff are concerned, is is mainly a communications function. So I guess that would sit in communications. So, so what that wheel does is play to the summary that you gave, which is basically it's no one person's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility in terms of what your function uh, is. Um, and there I've just shown that we've got one, two, we've got three functions that are guiding the role of the employee. Mm. You know, And that really does play to that whole argument of, getting rid of silos, breaking down hierarchy. You know, the model for businesses today has to be an agile model. It can't be a hierarchical model. It can't be a siloed model. One of the biggest problems uh, in customer experience is the fact that um, you cannot deliver a consistent conversation with the customer if you're a siloed organization. You may have everybody in that particular silo, operations or HR or, or marketing, working to the best of their ability to serve the, the end customer at the end of the day. But unless you can have cross-collaboration, unless you can share the customer experience um, across that organization, it will always be disjointed. Silos are the antithesis of customer experience there's no question about it so for me where does this sit ultimately it sits under a banner headline of experience Mm -hmm. and what we're beginning to see now 
is the emergence of the experience officer, a chief officer, a C-suite role, the chief experience officer, recognizing that the experience that the customer has is impacted by the experience that the business has in dealing with the customer and vice versa. And we call that inside out and outside in. Um, and so the emergence, therefore, of this new role, I think, is where all of this sits. But that means, and this is going to hurt, subjugating HR below the CXO. So the chief human resources officer is not going to be a happy man. Well, I think this is an interesting point because in a previous role, I think I touched some of this myself in that I had a chief brand experience officer role. Right. right. And I mean, what what you see from that is exactly what you just sort of said. I went, if you like, overnight from marketing communications, ownership and responsibility to having fingers in lots of pies. And because the rest of the organization may may not have been as, I guess, forwardly organized through no fault of their own, you know, you're treading on lots of people's toes and ownership at that, at that point. And I think this is one of the issues for me in the evolution of silos is that in any given business, different departments are evolving at different rates unless it is a structured transformation or internal transformation that that moves everybody on at the same at the same rate so uh, unless you've got a, a common collective goal and understanding that the organization is going to migrate and change over time you're going to have these conflicts as certain departments kind of move forward in in a recent podcast i i i mentioned that my view of hr was it was almost caught in limbo at the time, whilst say marketing had kind of moved on and finance kind of moved on and remits have, have grown, HR have almost become the policies and benefits guys, and and that's that's it. And they're more they are far 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 more than that. Often it's the guys trying to organise the transformation, and HR tend to take a bit of a lead on that. That they end up doing themselves last, and by the time it comes to HR, everything's crossed over. For me, this stuff has always been about collaboration. You know, as a brand guy, brand to me is all about delivering on the promise that's designed around the board table, right? And that promise is often delivered by the people, either in the shop or in the call center or in the factory. Or So you have to make sure as a marketer, if you want your brand to be as consistently delivered as possible, that you have got the best people doing that. And therefore, attracting, engaging and retaining the best people is absolutely key. And so working with your partners like HR, uh, for it, for an example, is, is absolutely crucial to delivering your goal as a as a brand guy. Yeah, I, th- I I agree with with uh, what you've said there, in, in principle, I, uh, you know, you, you say that HR has been caught in limbo. I don't think it's just HR. I mean, uh, you're, you're very charitable towards marketing, but to be quite honest with you, marketeers are struggling as yeah. well uh, with the proliferation of channels and, uh, you know, accessing data. It's all about data these days. Yeah. You know, there are so many businesses that do not have a single view of the customer. 
They've got data stored in their call center. They've got data stored in their marketing department. It's not the same data, but it's about the same customer. Um, well, you, you see know, that in many experiences, don't you, Michael? That you, yeah, you, know, you yeah. log on to the website, and it tells you one thing on your phone, it's telling you something else. You ring up a call center, they don't know who you are. I mean, it's Absolutely. so disjointed. Yeah. Absolutely. I've worked with tons of companies where that is exactly the case. And, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, I've worked with companies that, you know, they have a sophisticated um, uh, CRM platform, and then they have a different CRM, not quite a full CRM platform, in another department. And the two are not connected. There's no systems integration at all. So, you know, I don't think it's just HR caught in limbo. I think a lot of companies across the board are caught in limbo. Yeah, I mean, I'm not picking on HR. I think they just tend to come up more often, particularly in this podcast, when we're talking about people-related issues, engagement-related issues, cultural stuff because of legacy uh, i've worked with some fantastic hr people over the time and and a lot of them get frustrated by the by the processes that they're that they're bound by or the confines of how an organization is is thinking or is is developed i talk about them a lot because i've worked a lot with them i i, I found myself as the guy in the middle of marketing hr and operations all the time trying to forge collaboration which is now I'm on the outside of corporate looking in it scares the life out of me to see that stuff still happening, that the lack of collaboration, the almost land grab of, like, that's ours, we'll have that, um, when really the best results come from a wider understanding, a bit bigger collection of brains and, and, and collaboration to get things done. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I talked about marketing um, and you being charitable, charitable towards marketing. I mean, Marketing is frustrated by the fact that, you know, traditionally marketing has been focused on pre-acquisition, i.e. discovery and interest and acquisition uh, stages within the customer lifecycle. But there are, you know, there are several other important um, stages within that customer lifecycle where the skill set of marketing should be applied. Mm. And it's not because it's gone beyond the purchase point. And what often happens within within a company is that, you know, all of that great messaging, all of that brand positioning, all takes place right the way up to the point of purchase. And then that customer at the point of purchase becomes just a sales metric and everything is lost thereafter. You know, and I've worked with companies where, you know, they just, they put no effort at all into customer retention. Where does customer retention sit? Well, it sits within the growth, uh, within the life cycle stage of, of serve and grow. Yeah. But customer retention is, is incredibly important to an organization. It costs five times more to secure a new customer than it does to retain an existing customer and cross sell and upsell to them. No. Where does uh, loyalty and advocacy sit? Sits at the back end of the customer life cycle. But we need to have the skill set of marketing and others engaged in focusing on building customer loyalty, i.e. lifetime value, and building advocacy. Well, building advocacy, that's surely a marketing job. But this is at the other end of the life cycle or the other, other part of the life cycle where they traditionally don't get involved. It's a real mess. 
There's no question about it. This is why I'm fairly excited about the emergence of the role of the chief experience officer, because this is a way of breaking down those silos and that legacy of marketing's over here and operations is over there, and neither the twain shall meet. Yeah. I mean, look, a lot of my business I've worked in have been, I guess, service-based um, businesses yeah. or retail businesses, hospitality businesses, and the service profit chain is as live and well as it ever was when it was formed goodness knows how many eons ago. I know there are many, many CX uh, guys out there who will say I oversimplify stuff, but the whole relation of happy employees equals happy customers equals happy profits and shareholders, I think is is still a, a truism. And, and I think this is where the connection needs to happen because the engagement stuff and the brand stuff are well, in, inextricably entwined because if, mm-hmm. um, you, you see it, right? If you're with employees who really get what the brand is about and why it does what it does and, and what they're here to do and can really see their place is and could understand how they contribute to the success of that stuff things just seem to work better they're smoother they're more consistent there's there's less employee turnover there's more productivity more creativity you know the time that i've been back in the uk which is uh, the last six years uh, i've worked with companies i've worked i can think of one specific company where the majority of the employees could not tell you what the brand promise was, yep. could not tell you anything about the category in which the brand was competing, um, which I just, uh, I'm ab- abhorred by. I mean, I, I just don't know how you can run a business where you've got such a, an ill-informed team of employees facing up to your customers. I just don't see how it can work. You would never um, think I mean, of having an unbriefed sales team, right? No. What, why, so, why, why choose us? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You just wouldn't do it. And every employee is a member of your sales team, uh, official yeah. or unofficial. So to not know that stuff is criminal. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of Forbes Business Magazine uh, primarily because, you know, I worked in the US for quite some time. There was uh, um, a feature in there that was talking about uh, employee knowledge, uh, and it said that uh, only 30% of employees who were polled uh, across a number of very large American organizations, and a good number of them, only 30% actually uh, cleaved towards the brand. 70% didn't care less or were just totally anti the brand that they were working for. Uh, these are the stats that's, that just make me sad. Um, uh, yeah, they make me sad too. They really do. Uh, but, it's, I mean, it's an opportunity. That's the way to do it. And when I talk to clients, you know, I talk about the opportunity. It may appear to be a negative, uh, but it's an opportunity actually to create something really positive and, to, and, and, uh, uh, and change things. The problem is we then get down to the, the word that you use, which is transformation at the beginning. Mm. And transformation can scare the life out of a CEO. Oh. Transformation means throwing everything out and starting afresh. Um, in most people's minds, you know, what we've got now isn't working, therefore we've got to replace it. 
I, I don't talk to clients about transformation. I talk to them about evolution, taking what you've got now, identifying the good bits, building on that, and then filling in the rest. And it's not a quick fix. You know, well, no. There are, some, there are some early wins, yes, but you've really got to look to longer-term horizon. The question then is, and it's always questions, the question then is, what's the horizon? And what are you um, seeing, Michael? It, so that because that long-term commitment or longer-term commitment, I I think is a real stumbling block for engagement, culture change, transformation. Call it what you will, because maybe some businesses have a much shorter-term focus. Maybe the returns are all about you know the next two three years rather than the next seven to ten years. Uh, what what do you see with the clients that you work with? Well, with the clients that I, I have conversations and work with, I've seen a, a dramatic shortening of horizons. And I think COVID has been the real stimulus for that because, you know, it took us all by surprise and it had such a massive impact. So a, a lot of it negative, but a lot of it positive. You know, people finding they actually do their job working from home, for example, and do a damn good job. Uh, but that in itself has got other issues surrounding it. You know, the emergence of e-commerce and the substantial growth of e-commerce, for example, uh, during the uh, 2020 and 2021 today. Um, so I'm seeing that a lot of uh, a lot of companies, where they're not having to make massive capital investment by changing production plants and things like that, I'm seeing horizons really condensing down. Short term is six months. It's got to be done within six months, and that's technology that's really, really driving that now because you know technology is evolving so very, very fast. Medium term is a year, 18 months, and long term is three years. Wow. Who can look beyond three years now? Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, talk to the airline industry. Can you look beyond three years? No, of course they can't, you know. So they're, they're long-term planning for planes and things like that which may have been 10 years out, is now it's got to be three years. You know, we've got, that's, that's our horizon. You know, what's going to be, what can we do within that three-year horizon? You know, that, that's why I talk about agility. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of corporate structures are not uh, fixed in a way that they can resp respond with agility. Um, you know, they can make quick decisions and sprint and make another decision and sprint. So what do we do then? Come back to this question. I mean, I think we've kind of like gone, you know, all over the topic of who we are. have, and I'm and, sorry about no, that. No, 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 no. I mean, what, <laughs> That's I what talking to me does. I'm sorry. I, I think it's great because I think this is the whole nature of the daft question that you ask, well, I ask at the beginning is who owns this stuff? And the reality yeah. is it's that's a daft question, right? Because... It's much, much deeper than that. It goes across many departments, but there needs to be a core thought all in that, which I think has to come from brand, right? And has to come from where right. the organization wants to go. What is that strategic narrative of the company and brand? But to right. your point of this being an opportunity, where the three-year window may conflict with a longer-term people-focused strategy, what what are the steps that we should be taking, do you think, to you know, move towards this agile stuff, bust down the, the silos and, and really encourage the collaboration. Where would you start? 
And are you able to get those thoughts onto three sticky notes, Michael? Because we're at that part of the show I like to call sticky notes, where we consolidate and summarize the thoughts of the day onto three simple bite-sized takeaways that you could fit on a sticky note. Have you had a chance to have a think about that? Yeah, I, I, I scribbled those down. I think the first one, um, and it all comes down to this at the end of the day, if you're running a business, is build an understanding of your customer. Okay. Uh, and how they interact with your business and how the critical interface between the customer and the employee is going to work. And that's 101 customer experience. So my first one. Uh, My second would be, and we talked a lot about it today, uh, create a customer-centric culture that permeates from the top of the business right the way down through the business uh, and build a team of highly motivated employees. And for me, that's 101 employee engagement. And the third is aim high, but start low. And that's just common sense to me, basically. (laughs) Uh, But ensure that you are fully engaged on the journey you're taking with your employee. Make them your change ambassadors. And if you get those three things right, I really think it's where all of that comes together. HR, marketing, customer experience, operations. And we start to break down those silos, which, as I said, are the completely uh, the complete antithesis of delivering good, positive customer experiences. Uh, yeah, look, I wholeheartedly agree with those three really nice um, sticky notes that will adorn the walls of the sticky studios <laughs> for, forever. And I think then it comes down to strong, committed leadership and consistent behaviour, right? Yeah. Extolling the things that you've put up in place, constantly referencing and showing what it's like to work around here, right? Change, change or transformation can only happen if it's sponsored at the top of the organisation. Anywhere else, it will fail. And I've seen so many companies, you know, massacred on that battlefield of transformation. Well, well, let's let's leave the listeners with the note of massacre ringing (laughs) strongly in their ears in that no one wants a massacre. Everybody wants to take this stuff forward. I think you're right. I think on the back of COVID, we have seen where opportunity can come from and the things that organizations are capable of that they never thought they were. I don't really like the word pivot, but the ability to kind of like change direction and commit to something and bring everybody with you in a very short space of time is kind of, it's a bit like the vaccines themselves, you know, oh, it takes 10 years to do a a vaccine. Well, nuts to that. We'll do it in six months. And I think that's an interesting metaphor for businesses going forward. We all talk about this stuff. We all know this stuff exists. Now we've got a chance to really make a difference and change. And I think your three sticky notes do a do a good job of giving some people things to aim at. So thank you very much for that today, Michael. And thanks so much for your time. I know you're a really busy man, so I really appreciate you coming on and and talking to us. It's been a great pleasure, Andy. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me. Okay, my friend, you take care. Speak to you soon. You too. Okay. That was Michael Taylor. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about him and what he's up to, please take a good look at the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, 
more successful business from the inside going forwards. If you have, please like, comment and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.